Hey, 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 everybody. It's episode 26 of The Companion to the Companion. Big show tonight, 11-22-1994, Jesse Auditorium, University of Missouri, Columbia, Missouri. I've got some issues with Missouri, but there are things that I love about it, and this show is one of those things. Sam, how are you this evening? <laughs> I'm great. I like the hey, hey, hey. It's a good, <laughs> good pep. <laughs> hey, come on down. It had a good vibe to it. Let's, um, get, let's get pepped. I'm good. I'm good. I'm ready to chat the show. I think you just mentioned prior to us starting, your notes are messy and mine are too. It's as good. <laughs> messy notes are a good sign. It's true. There was a, the, the thoughts were coming fast and furious. Yeah. Um, so the Jesse Auditorium, I don't know much about it. It's small. It seats under 2000 historic 19th century theater. Um it's officially released, so we're back to, I think we're in a long run here where almost every show for a, for a long time is officially released. Um, yeah. So great sound. Seek it out. Find it. Um, if you are going to listen to the show, um, get the good stuff. It's worth it. Um, yeah. yeah. Although I, I do remember our audiences from back in the day, and it was much boomier. It had like a really deep bass presence. Yeah. Um, and I remember that being cool in sections. Um, but still, yeah, this is a pretty great sounding a soundboard so yeah no it's smaller venue i mean we've been doing places that are bigger they played a lot of those like they call them hockey sheds Mm -hmm. um where like every town in the midwest the upper midwest and new england all have those hockey sheds where they're they're like a basketball arena but smaller and this is a theater so a little bit different venue um yeah i uh i i bet we're gonna have some different feels on the show as a whole yeah um and I think, you know, when we jump into set one, I don't know how much we need to go through. Do you want to talk set one? Yeah, there's I not th- there's not a lot to say. I mean, I think like it's a it's a great set in terms of uh, song choices. Like I, I really and flow. Yeah, yeah sure. and flow. I really love the song list. But I didn't like when I got to the end of this set, I would just say the songs of this. This shows on the top 100. That's surprising. That's what I said. Yeah, because I did it short. Yeah. Like, no, Fall 94 has some of the craziest first sets. Uh, That's right. And this was just, like, textbook. It was textbook. But if we're going back and just kind of pointing highlights, I ended mm-hmm. up listening to the Gaiuti twice. And I think, like, on upon my second listen to the Gaiuti, I think it might be one of one of the better versions. Like, yes, I really very, think it's amazing yeah. version of Gaiuti. <laughs> I wrote that it sounds like they're they're really proud yeah. of it. Uh-huh. Like they're nailing it and they're they're it's coming into its own. Right. They're getting the details worked out. 
Um, I mean, my favorite version of Gaiuti is the album version, although sure. I love a lot of live ones. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that it, I thought the foam also was really, really well done. At, I mean, everything. I love yeah. bouncing around the room. And this one, a textbook perfection. I just wrote, how could you not love this song? Like, it was one of those sets. opener i mean everything was was perfect but I, I i didn't there was nothing i would go back to sure not a whole lot of extra mustard and then even like the down with disease which this is a great period for mm-hmm. uh, just kind of thinking of some other versions around this this one definitely pales in comparison a little bit um yeah it reminded me yeah. set wise of like the bomb factory's first set sure where you're like yeah. you're never you're never going to go back to the first set from the bomb factory right I may have even liked that one more than this one, even though this was very good. Right. Um, I'd probably but, go back to this yeah. Gaiuti. Yeah. But even the foam, which I'm a huge fan of, and this is great. Yeah. It has a really cool silent jam, a lot of like really delicate, mm-hmm. you know, playing. It's still, it doesn't have one of the hallmarks of 94, are these big chaotic, like these, these compositions or these versions of songs that are so huge and exploding at the seams, yet they still kind of work as this singular piece of vision, like this vision they have for this moment, for this song. Uh, this film was a little disjointed for me in terms of it didn't fit that complete vision compared to some of the other films around here. But I do still sure. think it was a fantastic film. Um, sure. but, I, but I don't know that it would make my list of ones that I'm going back to listen to. Yeah, I I mean my my thoughts at the end of this set were exactly what you're saying, which was I thought this was top one hundred. Yeah. And that I, I, I just said, Well, I guess they're saving it for set two, I guess. Yeah. And I mean I it's no bomb factory set two. So Sure. I mean, we get into it. Um that's a quick blow through the first set. But uh yeah, I think <laughs> set two maybe that's why what happens at the beginning of set two happens. Yeah. What happens so they the come in and said too? Well, the funky bitch is an opener. Um, it's a very rare set two opener. Yeah. Um, and was only played five times in the year of '94. Um, I think we forget, you know, seeing them, starting to see them a lot when we did. This song was much more common. Right. '97, '98. So I think, uh, you know, it was a much rarer at this time. Absolutely. I I remember in 97, it was kind of just coming out of its shell. Like it was still 
kind of like when I was kind of going into that 97 tour, being like, I love Finky Bitch. And you guys were like, I don't know if you're going to see one, you know. Um, yeah. But we ended up seeing one, so. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it it maybe shows intent. I thought um, really well played to yeah. the structured part of the song. Um, but then, like, it just, it, it's one of those weird moments. It's like the Lonesome Cowboy Bill from from Halloween 98 where like they just kind of hit a chord and go into a jam. Mm -hmm. And it seems like they'd planned on like, let's just see what happens. Right. Like let's stretch it out on purpose because set one was very buttoned up. Um, and it stretches into a very, what is it? 28 minutes. Yeah. Um, long, very long jam. Um, but putting this up to, I, looking at it as a whole, putting it up to the last show's half hour jam, um, I mean, which do you rank higher? Uh, this one. <laughs> you like this I, one more than the last one? I don't, I don't know. It's tough. I mean, I guess I they're, they are different. But I do think this one kind of won me over a bit in a way that, um, like, when, when I finished the first set, I was like, well, the second set's really going to need to win me over. And I do feel like it really did. Um, and I think that it has some sections towards the, like, not necessarily the funky bitch section. Yeah, I guess if we're just discussing the Funky Bitch section, I don't know, I might go with the last show. But the second set as a whole, I really love the second half. Mm. Like, I feel like the yeah. second half of this set is is pretty special as well. Sure. Um, where the other one kind of like fizzled a little bit. Yeah, I just, I, I, I mean, there's some really nice, <laughs> there's nice moments in this jam. And it's yeah. long and it has a lot happening. And again, I wrote lots and lots and lots of notes. But I didn't yeah. find it to pull me in as much as uh, the long jam from the previous show, from 11, yeah. 16. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's like a cool rock peak, but it's 19 minutes into it. Mm -hmm. um, there, It falls in, I'd say like the 19 to 23, uh, four minute section. There's some really cool stuff there. Prior to that, there's there's ups, there's downs, there's some ambient soundscapes I really like.
There's some repetitive melodies, which are smart, but it, it I don't know. It feels like it really, it searches more than, um, the last one was leapfrogging kind of jam to jam. Whereas this one is kind of always looking rather than finding, I right. guess. But it yeah. was fun to listen to, really fun. Those are some good points. Yeah, I'd have to kind of like go back and listen to them again. The funny thing about some of these long jams compared to more recent ones is it's like really hard to remember what happened after you finish these jams because so yeah, much they're turning happened. so much yeah <laughs> it's lots yeah. of lots of turns and twists and like once you get stressful. to 97 you get like a solid 10 minutes of this and then you get four minutes of this and then you get five yeah. minutes of that this is like every yeah. 90 seconds you're like on to something new but uh hence the messy notes i mean i have so many random words written about and time stamps and like it's yeah. weird, um, and it's hard to write when they're they're moving through that much. You know, you almost have to do once through that way, and then once through, just eyes closed, letting it wash over you. And right, um, I guess this just didn't have that. It didn't have an, a journey with a triumphant ending for me, or a, sure, you know, it it kind of did, but then it got into some weird stuff. And there were some big black furry creature from Mars teases towards the end, right. and some weird start stop stuff. And then later going into it in the set, I thought was cool. Right. But yeah, I I don't know. I I'd like everybody who listens to our podcast to definitely listen to all the shows. But um, you know, listen listen to this jam and tell me where I'm wrong. I'm just curious. Well, I'd say that just to address the beginning, I do feel like it is like a horse race. Like right, like the band sounds like they're standing behind the gate. And then, like, the gates come up, and they're, it's, like, straight yeah. fire, like, at first. Yeah. Well, they started, and you're right. It was an unusual start to sit, to, to start the second set. So you had to have just been like, whoa, what, like, what has gotten into these guys? Um, yeah. And honestly, by, like, three minutes, they're, like, blowing the roof off of this theater. Like, there's so much intensity by three minutes. You're like, wow, this is a hell of a just straight version. Uh, but then, yeah, it kind of takes off, and it's almost just, like, Guess it doesn't really take off until about seven or eight minutes, and then to me, it's very reminiscent of a tweezer jam, especially when it gets to around like 19, 20 minutes, like you were saying. If you were to just play me a section and tell me it's tweezer, I would have said, "Yeah, absolutely, it's tweezer." Sure, sure, <laughs> like, it had that vibe to it. which is what they were doing at that time. But there were some like really cool sections, like a little ambient twinkle groove section where like Michael, Mike, Michael, Michael Gordon uh, was doing some uh, very cool licks on the bass and taking, taking me to like a very pretty floaty 
place which I really enjoyed and Michael Soft um, G Jordan. Yeah, Michael Soft um, G Jordan. Yeah. Yeah, like I wrote that too. Somewhere around that like 10, 12, 14. There's like some really cool um ambient yeah. moments that were very different for them. This show does hint at some really mature and really different playing. Right. I mean Fall ninety four does that a lot. Um they were really trying to find things. But again, I yeah. think like uh, one of the things that might make me partial to this um, as opposed to 1116, much like the first uh, set would be the set list because as the funky bitch, it kind of like finishes up with this kind of vocal, like a little vocal finish, which is kind of classy, nice finish. Mm-hmm, and then it goes mm-hmm. into Yerushalayim, um, the Jewish hymn, which is like super pretty, which I love. Um, and then into Cry Baby Cry. And just to kind of see that on a set list is like, holy shit, funky bitch into Jerusalem and yeah. the Cry Baby Cry. What the fuck is that? Um, so I do feel like there is an excitement that kind of comes along with the song choices. Um, yeah, the the head, the only headphones in the book are this funky bitch and then the Jerusalem. And I, I don't know what to make of this, the Beatles sandwich, we can call it. Uh-huh. Because it was Cry Baby Cry, which was... Yeah. really well executed and not really played since Halloween, I think. We're correct. Yeah. Um, at least not often. And then The Curtain, which is one of those like compositional masterpieces that you forget about sometimes and right. then you hear it and you're just like, oh my God. Like, And that happens to me every, maybe it's just me, but every time I hear it, like, how do I forget about how good and difficult to play and just emotional? It's like one, another one of those Dungeons and Dragons songs, you know, where it's just so great. And then Blackbird with the other half of the Beatles sandwich. Right. Um, I don't know. Was it the small room? Was it like, I mean, the crowd is really receptive and quiet and respectful. So maybe, I don't know. I really like the Blackbird too. You know, I mean, the acoustic and it was like pretty. And uh, considering what we had just gone through with the funky bitch, I felt like it was was appropriate. It was like very much an attentive crowd type of show. Like the yep. band sort of like, I've got an attentive crowd. Let's try all this crazy stuff or this all this weird stuff. That's a little unusual that we feel confident that they'll appreciate. So um, during the yeah. Cry Baby Cry, I don't know if you noticed, but there was like, I was listening on my headphones. It was like this high pitched, like fire alarm sort of noise in the very, very background, like super faint. But mm. it scared me twice like it like i was like listening to it and then i heard it and i was like had to rip off my headphones i was like what's going on i was like oh that must have been a part of it so i rewound it and then i did it again and kind of forgot what i was listening for and then it scared me twice again <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so there's clearly something there but uh, it was maybe it it's was, a fire alarm in the background at the yeah, show you never it know was very, it was very subtle smoke alarms do go off uh, but yeah that was a cool I, i'm liking where we're at in the the set so far um, did you have issues with the the tonality of the sandwich or? No, I just like the dynamic range of the set is huge. Right. But I think I think you're asking a lot of the listener in a lot of ways through this set so far. Sure. And I think it's great, but you're not handing out, you know, normally a set opens with kind of a rocker like this one. And then it goes into a second song that would push the as more of a jam vehicle, which I guess they just skipped the song part and went straight to the jam vehicle, right? Um, which was very cool. And coming out of that, yeah, you know, as a listener, say it's your first fish show, or you know you'd heard them a little bit, and the first set was very 
on paper, textbook, clean. You're like, wow, this band's really great. Right. And then they come out and play a blues rocker, and you're like, all right, I'm jazzed up. I'm ready to go. Maybe you like, you know, smoked a little weed, and you're like 19, and you're pumped up. And then they go into a, a this just run of songs is very different and strange and unique. And right. a lot of, you know, all the way through the next segment that we'll get into, um, I'm not sure it would have brought me along. Right. Like, I feel like we, we talk about this often where um, we, you and I obviously want to hear the band really go out there and do different things, but sure. um, they, they have to weigh that with also putting on a show. Like they need to have the guy, you know, or gal who's on a run of shows seeing 20 in a row. Yeah. Keep them interested, but also the person who they're going to see one fish show in their life and this is it. And I feel like if someone came and saw this, this second set's asking a lot. Yeah. Um, and I love the Beatles songs, but they're, you know, again, we hit a section of there's heavy improv, but then you have Cry Baby Cry, The Curtain, and Blackbird with no improv. And sure. just very tightly executed, which is fine. This, um, this is I what thought, I'll say. Uh, this is what I'll say to that. I'll say that I think that that first time listener would be a bit lost. But I do yeah. think that one of the big selling points of Fish Shows is the contagiousness of the energy in the room. So as long as the room is like half heads, they're going to feel and be told how special the show was when it was over and be like, sure. oh, I saw something special, right? Um, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but I remember we, when we saw 10.30.98 um, with mm. this guy Angel, and it was Angel's first show. And at the end of the show, he was so excited. And like he looked at all of us and he said, are, are all the shows like this? And then people were like, no, all the shows are not like this. And he was like, oh, OK, OK. So I think this show may have had a little bit of that where, like, uh, hmm. if you knew Fish, you would have been pretty blown away by what you just witnessed here. Although it is fall 94 where virtually every show is super crazy. So yeah. tough to say. We're just kind of, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Guessing. But if you were there. Send us a message. Let us know. Yeah, I'm curious. We want to hear from you. I'm curious what it felt like. Um, moving to the gym. Yeah. Um, yeah, a solid composed section through Runaway Gym. And then uh, talk to me. What do you got? Yeah. I know I, this is your, your section. I, yeah, I think that like the Runaway Gym, like you said, like good opening section. And then it's kind of like, eh, like. It didn't blow me away in the middle. I was kind of like, all right, it's the standard gym, but nothing nothing to yeah, make. I wrote that it feels a little, like the room got a little sleepy. Yeah, the room got a and little like sleepy. like the band got Fair. a little sleepy. Yeah, almost and like maybe it was. maybe that was yeah. the, the Beatles sandwich. Sure. Everyone kind of like, the energy turned down. It's like, all right, we'll get Runaway Gym going. We'll try. We'll, we'll push this thing. And maybe that's why, like it falls into this blues-ish chord structure in Runaway Gym at a certain point. And then goes into the big black furry creature from Mars, and maybe that's why it did that. But it you really does feel break like out towards push. the end, like the last couple minutes of the Runaway Gym. I feel like are like, oh, they broke out of it, and then it's like yeah, that, it's a, like, like bluesy different yeah. chord structure. Yeah, yeah. It, I thought that moment, that section was really cool.
Yeah, like it was it like you're right. It didn't do what they wanted it to do, and then they kind of found this other path, and then it landed in yeah. Big Black Freak, which yeah. is from Mars. Um, so yeah, not a runaway gem that I would necessarily go back to, but like listening to it in the context of the set totally works in terms of listening to the band work out their ideas and the kind of the way they yeah. listen to each other and the way they transition from one thing to the next. Um, we'll skip the first five minutes and then then jump in there. Right. Uh, Big Black Furry Creatures from Mars. One of the highlights, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, it was... <laughs> It was, I love that this is their prank song is like this faux punk thing that can just morph into, and it, you know, throughout their career, it still does this. Yeah. Uh, it morphs into so many weird things. And I, I, there's a musical and personal friendship, I think, personified in this, huh. which is that of Mike Gordon and John Fishman. Right. And I don't, <laughs> like when you hear about band relations here and there, um, I would put the two of them as almost the most diametrically opposed people in some ways in the band. Right. The would you? No, fuck you. Was so good. <laughs> and the way that they they just, and it went on and on. Yeah. And it was vulgar, but also hilarious and really, yeah. like it showed friendship. It showed like a real like bond in, the, yeah. in a vulgar way. It was very cool. Oh, absolutely. The call back to the wind. He says, says, why am I running? And then Fishman says, I don't think you are running, right? <laughs> <laughs> they were all very silly. That, yeah, it had that like, perfect place, perfectly placed lone fuck you, like where it was like the whole band stopped on a dime and said, fuck you. Uh, yeah, it was a great little moment. And then just a super <laughs> cool last little bluegrass coda, which was like, yeah. oh, just the icing on the cake. So great. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I, I thought transitioning from you know electric loud and moving to acoustic instruments and shifting all that gear around and putting different stuff on, it can really be a time killer. And yeah. people can kind of look at their watch. And um, I mean, thank God there were no cell phones at that time. So, but now everyone would just be looking at their phone. Yeah, and it, like you can't you can't give that time up. Um, and I think that transition and doing that little tag on the end acoustic was really smart and a really cool way to bridge punk rock into bluegrass. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> and then it's another like, I mean, God, um, the musical diversity through the whole set. And I liked in the the beginning of the tiny little butter biscuits where Trey's been on fiddle for about a week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just to. The the comment and just to show his his skills to say like well the guy's been doing this for a week so 
and we're going to stand in front of thousands of people and do this. Yeah. Um, it was really, really cool. And they did it pretty you know, well. It was two or three nights, the 19th, they call it, it just says parking lot in right. the book, but that they like played that impromptu jam out in the, in the parking lot with fans. And they're really buying into the bluegrass, this tour in, in a very cool way. Yeah. Um, so I like how every show during this stretch, it makes an appearance. Um, yeah, yeah. And this I, this is a great little run. Yeah, I liked all three. I don't know if there's, you know, pointing out segments probably isn't the best thing to do, but I thought all three were really good. Well, I thought I'm blue, I'm lonesome had a cool solo from Trey. Yeah, <laughs> it did. That's, that's it really boring. did. That's boring. And the long journey. But they're all very classic. They're all classic. such great solos from yeah. all of them. Yeah. Even on instruments where Mike on banjo or Trey on fiddle, where they're not their primary instrument and they're not masters of them. The solos are still them. Right. They're still very smart and really well played. So I don't know if it's like because I've already done this sort of appreciation cycle of my life or that I've gotten older and I've realized that it's not as special as it is. But one of the things that we didn't talk about in um, in the Big Black Furry Creature from Mars was towards the end, Mike just starts straight up playing a wedge bass line. And, um, you know, as like, I'm a wedge fan and I'm listening to this and I'm like, that's so cool. Look, he's playing the wedge bass line. And I used to love shit like that. Like that was like one of the things that I loved most about fish was just that they would do little random things like that, that would kind of like pull you out of it and be like, Oh, look at them just trying to mix it up and do something that was unique. And, uh, and I know, like, I just don't, when they do it now, I'm just kind of like, eh. So <laughs> maybe it was because they were so much better at it before or I was newer to it or whatever. But um, it was just something they were so great at in this period. It was just kind of mixing everything up and in a way that, um, yeah, we talked about this a bit during 713. So I'll yeah, that. yeah. Yeah, when we move into the next song here and discuss our our this episode's kind of stretched out versions of um i have one of those exact moments to discuss oh, so okay. that's a very nice segue <laughs> um so okay. the next song uh the trey just kind of looks out and says well you know since this guy's here every night why don't you pick the next song that we're gonna play right. um and he chooses harry hood and so like that man ian and i chose to go through the Harry Hoods from Fall 94 and decide if the one on a live one is the definitive Harry Hood or not. Um, I did narrow, I listened to a couple others, but I did try to narrow. Um, they played it 10 times this fall uh -huh. and six of them made the jam charts, which was pretty impressive. Right. Um, and beyond this show, uh, we also discussed um, the 1112 version it's also on the jam charts. Right. But there's four others that were not discussed or that we're not doing the shows of. So I'd love to run through all of this with you and kind of pick and choose and decide which is our favorite. So do you want to go chronological? Do you want to talk through faves? What are you what are you thinking? Well, uh, first of all, I did a little research on who this guy was that picked the Harry Hood. I couldn't find anything. I think it's peculiar that we don't know who this gentleman is. Come out of the woodworks. <sighs> let us know. I think uh, it's because he doesn't want to have a lot of assholes being like, you had any song and you didn't pick like <laughs> Destiny Unbound, you dumb fuck. I, I don't. I, I, it's smart for he's like uh, he's like Craig from Craigslist, where he just took his millions and bought an island, man. He's out there. Um, 
he's out there. So I think he just he he shot his shot and he walked away. And, and you know what? He great, got a great hit. great closer. Yeah. yeah. You know, at top six of the fall for sure. And I think out of the ones on this list, my fourth favorite, but still like very, very impressive hood. Loved it. Well, how do we want to do this in terms of uh, do we want to talk about what we think our decision on the live one is? Or are we going to save that till after we discuss our versions? um, I'd like to talk through the hoods a little bit and then at the end possibly say how we feel about the live one version staying or going okay well i will say that if push comes to shove i might choose 1020 as my favorite hood of all time it is amazing yeah i'm i so much enjoyed going through all these um but yeah that that hood is something else but but i don't think it's right for a live one um i i think it's too i think it's too weird but i did want to mention uh one that isn't from fall but i think if i if i was going for a runner-up for a hood version i think it would be seven uh seven one ninety four um i know it's summer but again they they created that you're allowed to pull certain summer ones we you know they did with the stash so yeah yeah but uh it's got some great trailing which i'm a big fan of and uh (laughs) i don't know just that that one hits me hits me the right way I do think that the 1023 Gainesville, Florida is it's just incredible. And I think the more, you know, the more times I listen to it, the more I can really appreciate just how amazing it is. I think this last time when I listened to it, I think I probably appreciated it more than when I first kind of heard it. Uh, yeah. Just because there is a, it's just so perfect and there's so, so much nuance and delicateness to it. Um, I think that's the key is it's, Perfect. Like there, yeah. the, these other versions have a section that doesn't hold up for one reason or another. The intro is really quick. Right. Um, like the eleven three ninety four Amherst sure. version that's also here. Yeah. Um, so good. Down to silence. The weird, spooky, off kilter section.
builds up, uh, and this is the one where in that spooky section, Mike starts playing A-Train. Oh, right, right, right. And I was like, yeah. dude. And it, it kind of added really well. And then just a perfect peak yeah. with Paige really like taking the lead through the peak, which is different. But again, the intro is super you know clean and quick and not as exciting as the uh, Gainesville one. And the outro doesn't have that double build section with that drum break that's so perfect. Right. But I think another one that kind of makes its case as maybe, maybe, is uh, 1029 from Spartanburg. Sure. Which, I mean, I'll go to bat, and maybe we will by the end of this, that that show should replace this show on this list. I'm okay with it. As well as possibly 12-1. is very sadly also not on this list, and I think superior to this show. No question. And I think... 101894 at Vanderbilt is superior to this show, but let's we'll we'll, we'll have a our say. But um, I thought that that one from Spartanburg was really incredible, yeah. and it's a standalone show encore, right? And there was some like weird little flubs during the structured part, the composed section, that probably made them go, "Nah, we're not going to do this." But man, it is like a gorgeous, patient, yeah. lots of like listening and taking their time. And then the the peak itself is just nothing but emotion. I had a hard time. I think St. Petersburg, like you said, is a little too out there. 
Yeah. Um, and Spartanburg doesn't nail all the structured part, right. but uh, they're both amazing. Well, it sounds like we're on the same page here. Yeah, but uh, how about this show's hood? I how guess. about this show's? Well, I mean, I I, I liked it. I, th- I feel like Paige was really doing an amazing job, did some cool little things in the intro. I feel like Mike... Fishman in the intro, too, yeah. And it Fishman was... in the intro. It was a cool the intro. intro was great. Mike was working hard in the build. Um, and I thought it was a really cool version, but I, um, and it had like a really nice peak, but it didn't like, um, I don't know, speak to me, I guess. Yeah. The end, I really <laughs> did. I, I felt the peak. I, I it was, yeah. it was glorious and really well. Like, yeah. All these 94 well hoods are, are amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, I don't know. I, I really liked listening to all of them cause they were all so different, but they all made you feel the same. Right. <laughs> Um, where it's, you know, it's the song that does the thing. So I think whoever this person is that chose this song, haters be damned, they made a great choice. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't, the only way to top this as a proper closer is what they choose to play next after it. So, and I think it ties to the show in some ways with how weird the funky bitch jam was and big black furry creature from Mars picking highway to hell as a, as a set closer was really, really cool. Just to put the nail in the coffin of eccentricity. (laughs) I mean, it's just, yep. Yeah, I mean, they're just hitting everything. So, yeah, it was a great, great finish. Did we hit everything we needed to hit with the hood? I think it's kind of, it was like one of those things where you and I went into it kind of knowing, like, how how are you going to beat the the Gainesville hood? You know, Um, you're not going to, but it was fun, kind of. I guess what we're trying to say, all fall, fall, pretty much every 94 hood we've heard has been pretty great. So, yeah, I just yeah. I think it was it was masturbatory in some ways. I just wanted to listen to all those Harry Hoods. Yeah. I wanted an excuse. <laughs> um, you know, I don't have that much time in life. So when I when I'm like, I, I got podcast work to do. Yeah. Part of me is like, I'm just going to listen to two perfect Harry Hoods back to back and take some notes and just love my life. Yeah. Um, but and, you know, I, I, I really think that this is a, that they made the right choice. Mm-hmm. I think they picked the best one. I think there's some bias because I've heard it a hundred times and I've heard it in very altered and beautiful states of mind. And so maybe it's locked itself into parts of my brain that it just, it doesn't sound right if it's not that version played that way, but why, why not just love that thing? I love yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think that's true because like there are there are multiple versions of Harry Hood the way that that I feel that way about. Where I'm like, this yeah. is the version. This is how it should be. Yeah. And you listen to another one, you're like, this is the version. This is how it should be. Yeah. But um, yeah. So yeah, and then just to add on seven one, go back check it out. I, it's a good beginner's version to me, where I think it's like nothing fancy. Is not like ten twenty, but much like um, you know ten twenty three. It's it's kind yeah. of perfect in its own little way. So. Yeah, and then um, as an encore in the history of the band, at least since this book came out, they'd only five times encored with Lizards on its own. Yeah. And this was the fourth of the fifth ever and then never again, I believe. Just one more after this and then never again. Such a strange choice at first, but I think listening through it, really effective and life-affirming and positive and, you know, you would just go home so happy. Yeah. Um, Interesting choice. I've got mixed feelings on it. I know what you're saying, and I and I love lizards, but I, there was something about how perfect that highway to hell was to close it off. It was almost kind of like mm-hmm. I don't know that you could beat that feeling that they had me in when the highway to hell ended. 
um, you know, the lizards wasn't perfect. You know, there were like a couple of little flubs, but it was in general really good. And um, and Paige and Trey played beautifully towards the end. So you're right. By the end of it, I was like, yeah, that was like cool and pretty, but still a weird ending. Like, I don't know if that if I'm totally on board with that was the right mood to leave me in at the end of the show. But I don't know. Maybe it is. Who am I to say? See, I think that's this show. I yeah. think there's not. I think it's it's disjointedness is why I would supplant it with some superior shows from this era. Not to yeah, say right. there aren't moments of absolute majesty and perfection. And, you know, again, we're splitting some very fine hairs here. Right. Um, and when you if you really want to go on Fishnet and just go show to show through all the fall 94 shows and look at the ratings, I would say half of them are you know right around four and a half, which right. is out of five, which is where all the shows that are on this list are. Right. Um, I think these are some really cool people who sat down and chose this hundred. And I bet you these debates had been had yeah. by others. And I'm sure there's some people that really went to bat for this show, but I believe they went to bat for the funky bitch jam and for some of the big black furry silliness, Sure. which for me, I, I uh, that's not my favorite part of fish exactly all the time. Sure. Um, and I don't know if it's super well-rounded. So, I mean, for me, I'm taking this off and yeah. I, it's been a while since we've had a show where I think I'm taking it off. Yeah. Well, knowing um, 12, four, like, or I'm sorry, knowing that 12, one is not on the list. Yeah. You're off. It's not even close with, yeah, we're going to be doing 1130 yeah. at next episode, yeah. episode 27, which I've already started listening to yeah. and set one blows most of this show out of the fucking yes. water. It, yes. It does. Um, yeah. I mean, fall 94, <laughs> but I mean, it was San Diego time when we got really good copies of 1130 and 12, one right. at the same time. Yeah. I don't remember if those were, if those were Captain Shook copies or if those were Brian copies, but we got really good cassette tapes of those yeah. back to back. And, um, I always saw them as two shows as a companion piece to each other. Right. They sounded different, but I always saw them as a pair. You know, so I do remember actually you know. Brian was 12-1 and Captain Shook was 11-30. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> but uh, No, because we I had mean, the 12-1, He gave us that run on Dad. Okay, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. and then we got 11-30 yeah. that one night and then we had a little uh, Okipa and listened to the whole thing. So I think the 12-1, 12-2 sounded a little bit better. They, it did, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Maybe yeah. that's why. But yeah, I, I mean, those... We're, we're going to split so many hairs on the show, and that's what it's about. That's why I love it. And that's why I'm bald. But um, <laughs> I I really uh, I really enjoyed this, but I'm excited to move on to another show. I felt yeah. a little mired in it. Sure. Um, I, it wasn't a slog to get through by any means. It was really enjoyable. Um, I just, you know, I think time on, at that time, fishnet, like it, it smooths out the ratings a little bit. And, sure. Um, I think like, you know, Fish just played some shows that three of the four were rated this, as high as these shows. Well, that's silly. Um, but they're going to calm themselves down over yeah. time when people yeah. step back and they stop reliving that experience and they listen to the shows and they're like, oh, no. Right. It, it, you know, and so this show has stood the test of time, which yeah. means, you know, hundreds of people have given it maybe thousands. I don't know how many people rate shows i don't yeah. um but uh yeah i don't know i i vote off i don't know how you feel 
I like that you're trying to replace 12-1 in there. I know you yeah. go to bat for 10-29 too. Yeah, both those shows for sure. Yeah, I would choose 10-29 or 12-1 over this. So it sounds like you're off 11-22. Still setting a precedent for a big date in the future, 11-22, the date yeah. of many great shows. Or... Yeah, and I uh, don't slack on 10-18 either as yeah. a potential um, one to supplant this. Okay. And, you know, we it's... There's only a few that we've taken off, maybe two, three that are definites wanting them off. Um, so not to not to talk down on this one, but I still had a lot of fun and I'm very <laughs> much looking forward to um, the next show. And then I guess after that one, we have to do our uh, our live one. Yeah. Discussion, which is going to be fun. Looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm almost with the amount of Fall 94 I've listened to. I almost just want to say that they made all the right choices and walk away from it. <laughs> just t- take montana off and walk away uh, I, don't know. I, I really I'm, I'm trying to wedge a couple of th- not not a wedge but trying to wedge yep. a couple a couple of songs in there that i really want on there and i'm trying to I figure know. out the best way to get them on um so we'll see what i can well, meet I, I found something pretty cool and um i'll send it to you before we do that discussion to read through okay um but there's we're not the first to do this i'm sure um <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I think we may There's have always a fish before. head that's done it before. Oh, no, no. Yeah. There's it, blogs were around for years. Yeah. Um, I may have mentioned it on the podcast before, but I'm kind of getting old and I do that a lot. Um, but listening to an Undermine episode recently, I believe it was Brad Sands was on and they were talking about um, a live one somehow and he's like a live one who the fuck even listens to that like no one listens to a live one yeah. he's like it came out and it was fine but he's like i don't fucking even know anyone has a copy of that but i think he was saying it about how like people listen to fish shows right they don't listen to like live like a collection of songs put together for a live release that you know they just release shows and people listen to that right but i beg to differ in some ways uh, not to argue with brad sands but I, a live one, you know, being, I was targeted that, that was targeted to me. I mean, I was that age and that was for me. Yeah. When that came out, I had just seen my first show. I didn't know a lot about the band. I remember looking at every photograph in there, like it was, you know, scripture and listening to every song. And I mean, when we met still, it was important. That tweezer, like we had a very magical experience at my 21st birthday and that tweezer was part of it. So Um, you know, I, I feel like it's a special artifact and I'm excited to discuss at length all of it and stories and histories in our lives surrounding the songs. And if we're pulling off songs, what we're going to add in is, you know, this is sacred stuff. It's fun. Right. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I think, uh, you know, Brad, thank you for all that you've done for us and for the band, but, um, yeah, he's got a lot of terrible takes, um. Is that me throwing the proverbial beer can at him in um, in uh, the fish movie there because he walks in and I, said that he said a lot of stuff that I was before. just like, what the fuck, fuck do you, you know, Brad? Brad? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think Brad necessarily has like his finger on the pulse of what the average fan is into because he's not an average fan. He's too close. So yeah, like, it's yeah. hard when you're that close. Yeah, and I like he hears so much fish that yeah. Do I think Brad is going and putting on a fish CD? No. But we are because we're because we haven't heard every fish show ever and we're not surrounded by them. And, and yeah. so, yeah, I just think that's like a weird take. I think getting too close <laughs> is tough. And that's like what I've said to you. I don't 
I never want to go backstage. I don't want to meet any yeah. of these people in the band. I want to, when they go to that place in their head, I want to be there with them. Right. But I'm not, I don't, I, I'm not worried about your family. I'm not worried about where you live. I'm not like, that's not my concern. It's that sure. when you're, when you go to this outer space, I want to go to outer space with you and I want to be there and I want to hear what you have to say. Totally. And, uh, you know, if you're really close to the band, you can't remove that from, oh, that's that guy who yeah. like threw up in my bathroom last night and like made yeah. a big fucking mess and then was an asshole to me this morning. So yeah, of course he played like shit tonight. Like, yeah. I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be that close. I like being this removed. Although I will say I, I'm with you in terms of not wanting to meet them. But ever since Trey was was on that podcast talking about Big Cypress, just talking about like, if you ever see me, just just tell me, just say, hey, I, I was at Cypress. And he's like, I'll know. I'll know we have that forever bond. <laughs> he's like, I'll know that that was the best night of your life because because everyone that was there felt that way. So there is a little part of me that just wants to walk by Trey and just be like, I was at Cypress. Um, yeah. But, but that's it. That's all I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah, I... I, I'm sure we're going to get there. I'm sure that shows on this list. And it wasn't, yeah. the, it, I had a great time, but it wasn't the best night of my life. And it yeah. wasn't uh, their fault. But um, no, yeah, I, yeah, that was a very special, yeah. Yeah. I I want to hear more interviews with all band members. I think they're very intelligent. And I like to hear them speak on music broadly, mm -hmm. as well as um, what they're into, what influence, like, I love all that stuff. Yeah. Because I'm, I, I listen to so much music that I feel like you do. I know at times there is no more for me to listen to because I've heard fucking everything and I'm constantly disappointed. But then, right. you know, I get turned on to new stuff. So, yeah. You know, now that Sam and I both um, got Nintendo Switches for Christmas from Santa this year. <laughs> Uh, and it, yeah. uh, what, <laughs> one of the things I like to do is just some pick some new albums you know, that I'm kind of like, I'm not sure what the mood of this album is, but I read it was good or somebody suggested it to me. Just throw on an album, put on my headphones and just fucking rock out to some Mario Kart or some Sonic for a while and just zone out and listen to some albums. I feel like it's a good way to kind of get into some new stuff where I'm not being over judgmental. Like if I'm like, like listening to my car or I'm drawing or something, I might expect a little more out of the music. But if I'm passively playing a racing video game, I'll listen to pretty much anything. Yeah, if you're asking it to do a lot for you, that does make sense. I mean, yeah. it's, but still, shouldn't shouldn't we be asking a lot of our of our heroes? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Of you know, I I never am shy. Um, and speaking, I maybe it's maybe it's too early because I've only listened to it a few times. But I, I was kind of unimpressed by the new Wolfpack that just came out on New Year's. You oh, know, I, I haven't worked, heard it yet. Yeah, it was a. 16 hour day for yeah. new year's you know oh, restaurant yeah. industry joy um and i listened to that album a couple times that night trying to get myself pumped up and i yeah yeah, yeah. all right i like some of it i'd heard some singles already but i don't know i like the vibe it puts out but i wasn't uh floored well thanks for the pump down i will definitely go into yeah. it with low expectations it's gonna be better for you it. now absolutely <laughs> i always like a good uh, pump down the Romanian drinking song is worth it. Um, okay. But yeah, I I think the cover art and the marketing behind it are genius. I like the, the Schwitz vibe is really nice. Uh -huh. um, I like the little dude and I like how in all the videos they're like dressed the same. It, it's really smart marketing. I just um, musically, I don't know if it's doing it all for me. Right. There's a got to serve somebody cover with Antoine. That's it's good. It's good. Right. I'm just harsh on Wolfpack because they're one of my favorite bands and I love everything they do, all the side projects, all the work. So 
Um, and this has been the longest stretch without an album since I've yeah. gotten into them. So um, fuck you, COVID. Well, I think it makes sense, though, because they like kind of like hit their they got super popular and they're like, what are we going to do with this popularity? Took a big break. And then this is that album. And, and so it's going to be tough to live up to expectations. And they were probably feeling the, those expectations extra hard and that helped contribute to the block or whatever. I'm just making excuses for him. But damn it, full pack, get your shit together. Uh, well, uh, it's still good. Yeah. Um, Joe, Joe Dart's it's on still it, very so. good. Have I talked to you since um, I got into Harry Styles too? You have, yeah, and I like that album quite a bit. It's good. I it's don't like, really. I don't like all the songs. It's really good, but yeah, some of the songs are a little too. I don't know. Just the production doesn't work for me. But yeah, but some of the production's really spectacular. Yeah, um, Harry's house. Everybody should listen to. And I, yeah. I, I don't think Harry Styles is a genius. I don't think he's one of those people. I just think. I do think that he has people around him that make him sound really, really good. Yeah. And there are some songs that are very headphone friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some songs that really set a mood that I love. Um, I don't know. I'm almost done. I need to edit, but I go through the year and I put together all the songs I'm liking. And then once the year ends, I kind of edit and then create my like year end playlist. Yeah. I'm and I sent you to last it. year's um, It Hovers in How Many Songs. Um, this one won't be huge because again, I'm I'm constantly underwhelmed, but, um, I found some really great stuff this year and I'm excited to share it. So yeah, if anyone's interested, I put them on Spotify. Come find me. Come find them on Spotify. I'm going to, I'll be there. I'll be there listening. Yeah. Come find us searching. We're so easy to find. (laughs) Searching for some new music. Well, I've got some recommendations. Um, real quick, there is a new Tom Petty live release. Uh, Oh yeah. Live at Fillmore. On Spotify, it's like long. <laughs> it's fun. It it's was very so fun, long. Though. But yeah, man, some really great stuff in there. Like a lot of cool covers, but a great vibe and some cool jams on um, It's Good to Be the King and um, Mary Jane's Last Dance. But such a good um, rock band. Like, yeah. Show, paying homage to the classics and modernizing stuff and like just such a. Just a band in, this, in the whole band sense, you know? Great. Yeah, and not like, um, in a way, they kind of remind, it, it kind of reminded me of newer Fish and that like, I mean, obviously there's not a big jam component there, but the way Fish plays now is they're just kind of like, I want to play like classy, sort of like R&B, bluesy type of stuff. And that's kind of what it was. Um, and uh, there's a really cool Friend of the Devil uh, performance on there with some great piano type stuff. So... Um, not a flashy band, but a great rhythm and blues band. Um, yeah. I don't like NRBQ. Um, so I enjoyed that. And then also <laughs> yeah. Guns N' Roses has like the super deluxe Use Your Illusion 1 or 2, 1 and 2. And it has mm. like a couple of live shows um, on on those, like full live shows. And I listened to the one from Vegas. Um, and it's cool. I, I definitely recommend huh. the listen. I mean... Axel's coked out of his mind and I would have to guess that maybe Slash started the show a little tipsy, maybe a little drunk because at first the solos were you know, they were inspired but a little off, some sour notes, but as the show got on he was getting more and more into it but there are a lot of like these cool little musical interludes in addition to songs. I wouldn't call them improvisations, but I think they took the time to curate a show that had a little something extra 
um, to all the performances. Oh, cool. And like even like uh, I want to say it's an it's so easy uh, enjoying the guitar solo slash is playing November Rain kind of just like that theme. And then when he gets to November Rain, he like really blows it out. Um, but what I, the reason why I brought it up. This is in uh, 1992. I'm assuming that show was recorded, maybe 1993. I'm just thinking about how fucking good Trey was in those years. And, like, for as good as Slash is, he's nowhere near as good as Trey. (laughs) I mean, just, like, this is even Slash at his peak, and I love Slash. But I'm still listening to him being, like, if you saw Trey in the same year that you saw Slash, I don't know if you'd still be a Slash fan anymore. I have a lot of issues with modern trey's tone yeah uh, not with who he is and his love of music and his positive vibe and his willingness to be this band leader and embrace the the things um but just tonally through the structured portions of fish songs it makes a lot of modern fish almost unlistenable for me because i listened to so much of it from you know through the 90s and into the 2000s and uh it makes me think like slash Where's his playing now compared to then? Right. Um, and it makes me think about what guitarists did I love that as they got into their 50s and 60s, they began to really slack because Tom Petty was still shredding yeah. late in his career. Well, but there were three um, guitars in that show. Yeah, but, he, yeah. he did have help. And <laughs> yeah. there were a lot of um uh there were a lot of jazz guitarists who never got worse as they got older. Yeah. I mean, that Larry Coriel spaces revisited. I mean, he was like 60 when he made that. And that is some of the most amazing guitar playing you've ever heard. Yeah. And spaces he made in like what, 1969 or 71 or something. So like I, anyway, um, this brings me back around to another live release that just came out, which was, um, Willie Nelson's live at Budokan that I sent (laughs) to you. Um, And Willie, I think, has not changed in his playing from then till now. Right. And Willie's got to be in his goddamn 80s. Um, 70s at least, let's say. Let's be gentle on Willie. Yeah. Um, not like like uh, Del Taco but or Taco Bell. But um, I, I feel like his playing at that time is the same as his playing now. He just has a way of plucking notes and um, – but – that's not taking away from how great that live release is. So listen, right. live at Budokan, Willie. Yeah, I I loved that too. Seventy three, maybe four, no, somewhere around there. No, it was eighty two. Was it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's eighties. So yeah. good. So 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 good. Yeah. Great band. Great piano player. Yeah, and I don't don't think he Willie Nelson's not doing those guitar solos that sound like Jerry. That's someone else. No, but he's the one doing those acoustic-y sounding ones. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. And I think he still plays exactly the same now. I agree. Yeah. And I and I think Slash is better now than he was then. Um, I think so Sla- what, I think Slash has hap- been getting better. Well, what happened to Trey? It's choices rather than rather than what's being done. It's the choices to do the things. But right, yeah, we won't go down this road because. We're a positive podcast. We say nothing but good things about everybody. Here. We we try. I do have one more recommendation. This is a movie. Um, it's called Ur, a music war. It's U R G H exclamation point a music war. Ur. Um, I Ur. I found it. Uh, nineteen eighty one. I found it on uh, Canopy, the public library streaming site. And then I was recently wow. in Amoeba Records, and I was able to find it on DVD. 
Um, and when I purchased it there, the gentleman that checked me out said, whoa, I love this movie. I still have my bootleg VHS of it. It made me feel good. I was like, all right, I'm on the path. But I did want to talk about what this music is. Um, it's a whole bunch of different bands um, from the late 70s, early 80s. I'm just going to list them off real quick, just just so you know how awesome it is. Sam, should I list everything or just the stuff, like just like the famous stuff? I'll list them all. Why not? Okay. We got time. The Police, Wall of Voodoo, Toya Wilcox, John Cooper Clark, OMD, Chelsea, Oingo Boingo, Echo and the Bunny Man, Jules Holland, XTC, Claus Nomi, Atletico Spiz 80, The Go-Go's, mm. Dead Kennedys, Steel Pulse, Gary Newman, Joan Jett and the Black Hearts, Magazine, Surf Punks, The Members, The Au Pairs, The Cramps, Invisible Sex, Perry Ubu, Devo, The Alley Cats, John Ottaway, Gang of Four, 999, Flesh Tones, X, Scoffish, Oh man, this one's tough to pronounce. Spidiogenosa bounds. Ah, that's no way that right. UB40, nice the, the police, the police, and Claus Nomi. Um, highlights for me: Devo, Uncontrollable Urge was awesome, and then the Gary Newman it was super cool too. Yeah, that was like driving around <laughs> on like a little car, and um, yeah, it's all it's all great. But this is like one that was kind of under the radar. I never heard of it. And I was just blown away by it. So if you're a music freak like we are, you cannot go wrong with Urgh, exclamation point, we'll find a it. music war. We'll find it. Yeah, go find that it. That sounds great. Yeah, I, ever since you mentioned it to me, I'm going to find it. I'm, it's probably a YouTube find too at this point, right? It could be, yeah. At do least you, parts of Do you not have Canopy on the East Coast? No. no. Okay, all right. Maybe we do. Yeah, I don't know. I'll hunt. California libraries are pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, I'm jealous of some California things. Don't worry. Well, we got mostly your weather. Pretty good taxes too. Um, yeah, yeah, weather's weather's been okay. I felt a little guilty this past month as the rest of the country has just been getting fucked by weather. <laughs> we actually, it was like 81 degrees on Christmas Day, and we spent it at the beach. Hmm. Yeah, hmm. first first ever beach Christmas, but it was all right. Sounds really nice. It was all right. I can't wait until my life is nothing but beach Christmases, but I got to wait a while. It wasn't without a mass of tantrums, so. I, yeah, I I, mine will be with, with you know, just adults. <laughs> just adults. <laughs> adults only. And those may be my children by that point, but still, adults only. Oh, final recommendation. Um, if you're out there and uh, maybe you took some edibles, maybe you want to watch something that's, like, really interesting and, you know, it's moving, but it's also like kind of fucked up. And you're like, what the fuck am I watching? I highly recommend Alejandro Inarito's new movie, Bardo, which is available on Netflix. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a little long, but uh, a lot of very memorable imagery that I thought was quite artistically brilliant. Thank you for joining us next time. Yeah. 11, yeah. Uh, 1130. Next time, I guarantee we will be discussing a show that will be on this list for good. Yes. Campus Club. Without doubt. Evergreen, Washington. Matt Groening's alma mater. Ooh. Yeah. Bringing the facts. Bringing trivia (laughs) to this episode. All right. Well, so long, everyone. Be safe out there. Yep. Good night, everybody. And we will uh, see all of you uh, next time. Ciao. Thank you.
you know my New Year's resolution this year is to learn Italian. Hello there, friends, and thank you for listening. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or would like to reach out to Ian and I about anything at all, you can find us at companion to the companion at gmail.com. You want me to? I don't feel we good got... about how sloppy my notes are, but no. <laughs>